The Broken Dub Podcast analyzes what makes Olympic athletes, comedians, writers, and creatives great. Season one is titled Breakthroughs. This season of the podcast delves into the breakthroughs we have in our respective fields when we destigmatize mental health and move past the roadblocks within our minds. Executive produced by Ellen Utrecht of Mike TV. Uh, this is Krista Simmons, Fork of Fork in the Road Media. Take one, Mark. Smash the like, subscribe, follow, you know the drill. This is the Broken Dove Podcast, and I'm your host, Danny Simmons. Thank you, everyone, for coming out to Broken Dove Podcast. We are joined by Krista Simmons of Fork on the Road Media. She's my sister, my mentor, my best friend, sometimes my toughest friend. And I just want to tell you a little bit <laughs> about best her. Best friend, toughest critic. Toughest critic, but you know, we know how to push each other's buttons, that's for sure. Uh, Krista Simmons is a seasoned culinary travel writer and producer telling stories on various digital platforms. In a collaboration with her prolific digital media production company, Fork in the Run Media, she does everything nuts to bolts, start to finish. She slays, she's funny, she's beautiful. And I'm not just saying that because she's a family member, it's because my parents are watching. Some of you may recognize her from TV shows like Top Chef Masters, Kitchen Knife Fight, Hell's Kitchen, or even the Today Show. She won't even tell you, she was also on the Queen Latifah show at Sony on the Sony lot. That was a good one. And uh, perhaps you've seen her, you know, in a byline in Travel and Leisure, Departures, Condé Nast Traveler, LA Times, or Taste Made. Krista got in the game working the world of wine at Bonnie Dune Vineyards while she was at UC Santa Cruz where she was a collegiate level swimmer before following her insatiable appetite for food and travel. I look forward to capturing some gorgeous frames with this talented creative, best friend and sister in the world very soon when we can get back to normalcy. With no further ado, welcome to the Broken Dove Podcast, Krista Simmons. Oh, Thank thanks you. so much, Danny. I feel like you really missed your calling as a hype man. I, I, <laughs> I really did. I, I mean, you feel so great on a time where I'm not feeling so great, to be honest. No, I'm a I'm a gasser. I just gas people up and you deserve it. You, you run on gas. diesel. I figured that out in the RV. I figured that out <laughs> very quickly. You are a gasser. That's very true. I'm a, I'm a pure gasser in the, the truest form. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Look, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm not sure when this is going to be published, but obviously yesterday the uh, Trumpers stormed the Bastille. And so it's a little bit of a weird day for everybody, I think, but I'm trying my best to work through it. Um, I'm really excited to have something else to think about. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Yeah. You know, uh, we're just going to get started with obviously your history. This this pod kind of talks about sports and creativity and how they kind of align, but also just the the similarities between the creative mindset and the athletic perspective. And can you tell me about your experience? You obviously competed as a swimmer in the Junior Olympics. Can you talk about, you know, as a Junior Olympic swimmer, how you applied that arduous grind of swimming and two-a-days and dry training and all of that and carbo-loading to your life today? I think, you know, it's really interesting. I love that you're covering this topic on the podcast because it's something that um, more and more people are starting to cover the the um, you know, connections between sports and being a really great athlete or even just playing a sport growing up and then being really, really good at whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I've noticed a lot of people in the food and wine world who are really excellent at what they do also were athletes growing up. Mm. Um, for me, swimming is a funny thing, right? Because it's not exactly like playing, you know, men's basketball or men's football or baseball. Like, you know, like that's definitely like, it's a team sport, a, and it's a glory sport. Like you could, you know, be this famous, become famous. You can get all these sponsorships. You can make a living off of it. Whereas swimming, like from the jump, I knew like, this is going to be, have to be a, a love of the game type situation, you know? Um, 
I mean, I think one of the biggest things that it gave me, aside from like a Michael Phelps-sized appetite, which is still punishing <laughs> to this day, um, is teaching me how to be alone with my thoughts, which is really important right now, especially, um, you know, you're practicing five and a half hours a day. You've got your head underwater. You're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And frankly, it's like the most boring thing to watch. <laughs> like, and it's also kind of boring to do kind of, but you really get into this med- meditative state when you're in the water. Um, there's obviously breathing. Your breathing is very rhythmic. Your movements are very ry- rhythmic. It's very uh, technique oriented. Um, so for me, I think that's why I have now become drawn to things like yoga and meditation is because I, and I just love that the sound of the breath. Um, I love diving for the same reason. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now called the blue mind, which covers a lot of this. It covers, you know, why mm-hmm. humans thrive the most when they're on around or near water. Um, and I'm definitely one of those people, like you're getting the endorphins and the dopamine and the serotonin paired with something that's like really primal and cool. Cause we all spent like nine months in the womb. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know, to me, it just, it does swimming does everything for me. And whenever I'm feeling a little bit out of whack, like today, um, if I could, I would go hop in the pool or hop in the ocean and it just really sets me straight. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it, it is fascinating how being near water is, is kind of the, the most amazing thing for your mind. Uh, mental health, well-being, people who live near the ocean live longer. We, we know about this, you know, the, you know, Okinawa, the, the women who have, the women of Okinawa who live, you know, what, what is it? the 10 oldest humans happen to live on these small islands. Uh, yeah, the Japan, blue zones. Mm-hmm. The blue zones. So it's, it's, oh, is this what the book's about? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, oh, it's okay. actually awesome. I, um, I wish I had, we need like one of those fact checkers like Joe has, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, get us, oh yeah, but it's, um, I, forget, I forget the name of the man, but he, he talks about a lot of these studies. One of them that I was reading about last night that I thought was really interesting, um, it's called the Mappiness Project. And it was mm. a project, it was like one of the largest experiments that's ever taken place because it was done by a GPS over in the UK. And um, the scientists, researchers, psychologists um, decided to contact people through using GPS and contact them throughout the day, figuring out where they were happiest, like asking them on a scale of, you know, one to 10 or whatever, you know, how are you feeling right now at this moment in time? And they found out that the times that people reported being the happiest was always when they were outdoors in urban parks or outside rather than being inside. Um, And it was typically near water. So if there was like a lake or a river or whatever. Um, So I think there, there there's so many reasons as to why, and this book really goes into that. Um, I think that's why, you know, you and I want to live in, places like LA. I mean, you're even closer yeah. to the water than I am. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, I, I was able to have the privilege of shooting a documentary in Ishigaki Island, which is part of the Okinawa uh, prefecture. So I was able to witness the the beauty, the serenity of those areas. And despite obviously the, the history of tsunamis swiping out those, you know, just taking away entire populations, it seems like the pace of life is slower the food is cleaner and the the peace is more fulfilling. Yeah, um, definitely. I have a question. So, so, so you know, obviously you were a former athlete. You took your, your eating talents, you know, your carbo loading full time. And now, <laughs> you know, you, you now have the ability to kind of get back and, and have a, an opportunity to work out once again in the gym. Obviously those are closed now. But do you, when you go into the gym, do you have any rituals when you enter? What are they, and, and how do you repeat those aside from just breathing and and and, and that sort of thing? What what do you do to get into this meditative state, and how do you apply that meditative state to everything you do with Fork in the Road Media and your podcast? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, you know, you and I travel together a lot for 
shoots that we're doing with various tourism boards and stuff like that. And um, I love it because you're the first person I've traveled with that also values fitness just as much as we do the food and the fun, right? So mm-hmm. Jenny and I always get up really early in the morning and make sure that we're hitting the gym or doing something in our rooms. We'll like take washcloths and use them as like sliders to do ab work and <laughs> um, or just even do some pushies in the middle of the day to like rev ourselves back up in the middle of um, in the middle of a hard day. It really does do work wonders. And I think it's so important, um, especially since we've seen so many people who are struggling with various issues, but you know, um, your health when you're, you know, eating food for a living is really, really important. You're almost like a martyr to the craft, really. So it's really important for me, at least, to to continue to stay mm-hmm. fit. In terms of, like, having a process, though, to more directly answer your question, I am really big on stretching and yoga. So, like, that, we did a lot of dry land um, training, you know, for swimming and Interestingly, like a lot of sports, I know that, you know, again, for like men's football, men's baseball, basketball, like there's a lot of weight training and we did do a little bit of that, but we were doing a lot more resistance bands work, a lot of running and a lot of stretching. Like that was really kind of our, our dry land was what we called it. Um, so I was always really into stretching. I've, I, so I've gotten into yoga, um, in the past 15 years, I've been practicing since I discovered it at Santa Cruz. Of course. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, of course you did. Uh, I know, right? Shaka. Um, so I always try and do like a little bit of movement um, before I work out just to stretch. I mean, it seems sort of basic, right? But a lot of people don't do that. And then at the end, I loved, oh my gosh, I want to go back to Equinox because you can get the, the towels, the eucalyptus towels. <laughs> I miss them so yeah. much. You get a little eucalyptus towel and then head over to the stretch pit and use those foam rollers because those are just so great for me. Um, I also had a car accident that I was in, as you know, um, that really messed up my neck and my hip flexor of all things. So I really have to, you know, make sure I'm stretching my hip flexor and my SI joint with one of those like torture device ones, the medieval ones with mm. the pokey spikes coming out of them and just like yeah. dig in there. Wow. Like I love a deep tissue massage. Another thing I really miss in this time aside from the gym is just like those really, a really great massage. Um, so I think that's really important. And then I guess in terms of like, you know, ritual when, you know, working out or just trying to keep fitness during this time is, um, I have a gratitude practice that I do, which now has kind of become the common like buzz term for people in wellness. But I mean, Om Shanti Om. Um, I love Thank it. you for this lift. I appreciate you, Barbell. Thank you for helping me get swole. <laughs> Thank you for this selfie post-workout. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that booty pop. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I, I love that in the morning, the three things that you're grateful for. But in in terms of like having a, like, I have to do, you know, 50, you know, Roman chair ab things. Don, my boyfriend is like way into that. Like he's, he's got this like very regimented, like we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, chest, chest, buys, buys, and you always start with the same thing. You always end with the same thing. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm exactly the opposite. Like I'm one of those people that I love something new. I mean, that's kind of me, right? I'm like a curious person. I'm a wanderluster. Mm-hmm. I love exploring. So I'm always doing something, trying to find new ways to do like the 50 ways you can do, a, you know, the press, right? It's like, is it going to be an Arnold press today? Like, Ooh, that's exciting. Like I'm cruising <laughs> now. Like this is some feels like something new. So that's, but they've done studies on that. They actually said that there's not no one way that is better to work out. I think it was in men's health that I read about this actually. Cause I like reading men's health magazines cause they, 
don't treat you like a puss and think that you yeah. can lift weights. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they did do a study about this where they said that, um, you know, they had monitored people that were you know, on similar diet programs and were looking if, you know, with the consistency and the duration being the same, there was no difference between if you did the same workout day in and day out, or if you switched it up, like people always say, oh, you need to trick your brain, but it's neither one is necessarily true as long as you're staying consistent to it, which is the mm. real kicker, right? Yeah, I find that the thing that is, is my ritual is music. You know, it's the thing that I've always, you know, music. And then when I played sports in college, it was uh, film clips. And I, our coach, Coach O'Brien, Coach Dan O'Brien, was obsessed with like showing us different film clips that kind of depict how you get into this state of flow and the, the pocket or, or oneness with the earth that is, you know, the ground and obviously, you know, your soul and your body and mind. One of the things I've been listening to recently is Bob Moses tearing me up, which makes no mm -hmm. sense. But uh, it's just I'm like Bob Moses, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the fucking uns on it is so good. Yeah. Have you seen just makes... video performance from that, by the way? No, 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 I haven't. Oh my god, it's insane! You should watch the live stream. It's they they did it up at this like weird satellite tower, and it looks like it's up in the Angeles Crest or something, and it's at sunset, and they've got this drone orbiting around, and then this like very yeah, it's very um, by like it feels biurnal, even though it's not. It's really good. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't. No, no, no. I don't, I don't know what it is about it that I love so much. It's just I like the rhythm. I like the pace, and then I like clapping, like clapping to something and feeling getting a little bit weird. Obviously, it has to do with like a re relationship and a, a scandalous night out on the town. But it, for whatever reason, it helps get me pumped up for a work. I've, I've been listening to it before anything, and it, I've, I just burn. I ruin songs. So I find a song <laughs> and I just ruin it for a month. So that's the one that's like, tearing me up. It's torn apart. Um, as we all know, the ego is the enemy. You know, that's a, a catchphrase as well today. And, and you've accomplished so much in your life already, you know, being a published photographer, uh, obviously all your, your articles being on right away on Top Chef Masters as a judge next to Sugar Ray Leonard, next to Curtis Stone, Ruth Reichel, James Oslin, Francis Lamb, all of those people. You've accomplished all this. How do you stay so humble? And, and how do you keep your ego in check? Uh, that's such a good question. I actually really quickly want to go back to something that I think I, I always feel weird about this regarding the music. Mm. Um, I actually never listened to music working out until like the last maybe two years. And I also work in silence. And I don't know if now you're now you just saying this made me think about it. I was like, I wonder if that's a swimming thing because there's you're underwater and you don't hear anything when you're under there. And I wonder if mm. yeah, I find it distracting unless I'm listening to like a classical music or jazz. It's something very instrumental and kind of like lo-fi. I find music kind of distracting when I work. Um, mm. And I do I do. I have learned to like it when I work out i don't know i don't know if that's weird am i like get like comments guys <laughs> like leave it in the comments am i the only crazy <laughs> person that likes to work in silence like i love music uh, though like i love like music it's not like i don't listen to music but i don't know anyway no no i, I you are crazy and that is wild <laughs> <laughs> that is the strange it, it, it's either that it's either you know no no i'm kidding it's all good i mean um but yeah I mean, I, at one point in time, it was mainly a lot of us were listening to Eminem, spaghetti, spaghetti. You know, you got to get hyped up somehow. But no, no, I, I, for some reason, I think music and, and whether it's watching 
Uh, I think one of the things that was really formative for me was like watching The Matrix. Obviously, The Matrix has nothing to do with sport, and it's more of now as we realize it's about gender uh, understanding and all of this and these nuanced things that are red, blue, red pill, blue pill. But one of the things that Morpheus says to Neo that uh, Coach O'Brien always used to talk about is like, I can show you the door to success. I can show you the key. I can't actually make you walk through it. I can't actually make you be great. And that is the same for anything in life. You know, people can, you can create a YouTube, uh, Jacob Owens could say, how to make seven figures as a videographer. And you're like, I don't know, man. I, 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 it's not that easy. It isn't, it ain't gonna be that easy. You can show people and, and get people to pay $99 to learn how to be whatever you're saying you are. But the reality is everyone has to walk through that door on their own and they have to, right. and they have to boom front kick through the door and then yeah. be the truth that they are now, yeah. tell me and, how, and like about... be strong enough to like do the work to be able to kick down the door i think that's the mm -hmm. thing is like i think that's the reason why so many people are willing to give away that information like at first when i saw all those courses because this has become like the new thing especially in the pandemic mm -hmm. is everybody's trying to figure out a way to monetize like whatever it is they can when they're at home or these like self-help courses health courses cooking courses whatever and it's like how to become an influencer that X, Y, Z. And it's like, why would you give that information away? But then I realized like, you can't, you can't make them do the work. And like most people honestly just aren't dedicated enough to do the work. And that's where that athletic mindset comes in is like, you know, you're a grind guy. I'm a grind gal, you know, it's just like, mm -hmm. just do the work. There's no way around it. You know, like Kobe is a perfect example of that. Like just work hard, just work hard every day. You can't let up. And even in swimming, yeah. that's the thing that I think was crazy about swimming is like, even if you did everything right, you're either winning or losing by like 0.01 seconds. And you could have had the most perfect race of your life and it would, you'd still lose. And that, I think to your question now, long way back around is like staying humble because that's just the way that that sport was. Like it just didn't, it wasn't a team sport. You couldn't blame it on anyone else. I mean, there are relays, right? But it's like, it was you, you did the work or you didn't do the work. You showed up, you did great. You didn't do great. And even sometimes if you did everything right and you visualized right and you did the diet right and you practice five and a half hours a day and you're done, you shaved down and you wore the right suit and you had the right things. Like sometimes you just lose. Like sometimes people just are better than you. And like, I think that's a, it's, it's okay. Like sometimes it's just not your day or sometimes you jam your finger on the wall or like whatever. And it's just not, it's not all about you. And I think that's such a problem in like today's society. Like we saw it yesterday that these people are just like so full of themselves and have like no sense of mm. like anything outside of themselves. Um, yeah. that I think, you know, again, to your point of athletics, like really kind of in, you know, peppering and seasoning the rest of your life. It really has helped me in that way. Mm. Yeah. And can you help? Obviously, a perfect segue into the the masterclass that every influencer is doing. What is your creative process? Obviously, we, we know it's not music, but what, what is your process when you start the day and you you're sharing your AMAing, you're pitching clients? What is what is your process? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think I like sold myself a little short. I, I do listen to music. I'm not like a total like recluse. Um, mm -hmm. and I have gotten into that more recently, but I think my, my flow state is when there's wine flowing. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like two days sober and I'm like really just itching forward, especially after yesterday. Right? Oh I my know. God. Fucking brutal. We picked the wrong month to be sober. Wrong, Danny. wrong month, wrong, wrong year. Wrong, wrong lifetime. <laughs> yeah, so, seriously. So, but the flow state, I think it's really interesting, right? Because it's like, it's really, you can't force the flow. And especially as a writer, like, it's like mm -hmm. our 
greatest dread is seeing that cursor flashing on the page, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's you can't force it. So, but I have found that there are certain things that I can do to to build that and like create that space that where like it's more likely to happen. And I think because I work in various different spaces, right? I'm not just doing one thing, but I think when, for instance, when you and I are shooting together, and this is something I think we can relate on, it really helps me if I can delegate jobs and move intentionally. So I'm not flustered and like trying to find things. So I think being really organized is really helpful. Like having my everything and has a place, like it's got its mise en place, which is again, why I think there's this like creativity and athletic way like your fins and your buoy and your board were always in the place you knew it and your bag was always in the place you knew it and you had your stuff had its place like you can't just walk into a dugout you know and there's just stuff everywhere it's like everything's got its place right and the same in the kitchen you know it's like you can't possibly or if you're an artist like you need to know where your tools are um so for me it helps be really organized and it also helps to have people that i can delegate other work to right like Danny and I work on these shoots where it's a lot of times just him and I, um, when we're working internationally, sometimes now in the pandemic, like it's two people. Um, sometimes he's working just by himself. Sometimes I'm working just by myself and it sucks because you have to be wearing like 10 different hats. And it's really, truly like the oldest adage, right. Is like the Jack of all trades is a master of none. And it's like, that's what it is. Your brain is so flustered because you're trying to do 10 different things and you can't just like focus on the one thing, which would be like creating the image or, you know, in my case, producing or hosting, like interviewing the subject. Instead, I'm like styling the prop table and getting the releases signed and like checking audio. And it's, it just doesn't work. Like you can't do all this. Having things. a glass of wine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. That doesn't help uh, at all. Chicken liver mousse. I mean, what was me? <laughs> no, no, it is. No, it is but, there's, it's also kind of part of the fun of experiencing being creative in the modern era, right? You do need to do so many things. You know, there are, Back in the day, I mean, I imagine you would, if if print was still as big as it was when you started, you would still just be writing print and you'd be writing copy because you write incredible prose and you create wonderful words and you put them together. And it, But as we all know, the things have shifted. So now you have to pick up a camera and take photos and write reviews and do social media. So I think it's just the way it is. And uh, I, your creative process, I, I believe, is relentless and you're an inspiration on how prolific you are. Um, and, and obviously your, the start of your career was quite storied as I'd like to say, I, I obviously <laughs> remembered, I remember you, you know, slaying it on, over an easy bake oven while I was playing in Batman attire and, and now, you know, then obviously you went to UC Santa Cruz and you started baking other things. Can you tell me a little bit about that and now how you've made some of this cannabis bark for Christmas and gave that away? And that was lovely. Can you tell me a, a little bit about that whole, um, Oh man. Yeah, I was, I honestly was blown away by that cannabis bark and how many people really enjoyed it. Like I made this stuff and it was like a really low dose. So it was like 3.5 milligrams. I think that's so important for anyone who's like thinking about cooking with cannabis. Um, Like Danny said, I've been doing this for a while. I went to Santa Cruz, which is like very known for being very like hippie trippy. They didn't have grades for the longest time. And um, I had a couple of friends who grew up in Humboldt. They had a a grow up there. And so they'd need help um, trimming you have to, you know, kind of like you'd prune a grapevine or whatever. You Once you get the product, you trim it down and make it into those beautiful little nugs that you buy at the, you know, now at the dispensary. But then obviously that was not a thing. Um, 
Anyway, so I would trim for it. And in exchange for instead of getting money, they would give me the trim. So I would have like big trash bags <laughs> full of trim. And then we turned it into butter. And then I would love just baking, you know, brownies were the thing that everybody wanted at the time. It was kind of like the extent of culinary cannabis, but um, my friends and I really like to bake like Nanaima bars and um, triple layer cakes and really delicious cookies. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was really a fun thing. And I ended up, you know, making some money to start traveling, which was really nice. I mean, um, I don't know that I could have gone to some of the places that I, you know, went to if I didn't have that little like Betty Toker side hustle. Um, <laughs> Betty Toker. I, yeah. love, I love this story of you going to like, you would tell me like, oh, I went to, I'd go to the USC frat row and I just yeah. slaying these brownies. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're in LAX and you're off to Hawaii. Or whatever. <laughs> I, I love it. Sounds like so fucking Hunter S. Thompson. And it kind of sort of was, I mean, you know, I, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, but yeah, I mean, the frat houses were the places that you wanted to be because especially at USC, like those dipshits had so much money and like no idea what to do with it. And honestly, like you want tasty treats, like you're eating dining hall food all the time. And it was just yeah. like, I don't know, it was an easy, it was an easy in. It made so much sense for me at the time. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's been interesting to watch the cannabis industry grow as much as it has, you know, pun intended, I guess, but it's like, yeah. it's really cool to see. It's like, finally, you know, the state needs the revenue. Obviously you see our streets, like we need, we need all the money we can get. Um, people need help out there. So it's been yeah, a really and, interesting process to see. And it's really cool to like work in the cannabis industry and see, you know, obviously as a, a legal part of it, but just to, to create work with, like we just did with Autumn Brands and to see the different partners we can work with. I'm, I'm excited. I think there's something beautiful about the plants and mm -hmm. the, the chromes, the Thai chromes and indica hybrid sativa. I'm all, I'm all on this, although I'm doing a 30 day cleanse, which has been challenging, obviously it's challenging, but I'm doing it. Um, total transition. Mm -hmm. One of your, your first assignments that I think really stood out in my mind was formative for, for you, you know, I don't want to speak to it, but and attest to it was the legend, you know, interviewing Anthony Bourdain. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like for you getting that big opportunity? Monumental. Oh, yeah. so it, it was. Yeah. Um, it was really wild. I mean, he, so I was actually at my first job in a newsroom um, I was working at an alt weekly and, you know, I was really lucky. I was really into writing and was doing a lot of photography at the time. And it was just around the time that the industry was shifting. Um, mm -hmm. Journalists, like you said, just couldn't be journalists anymore. Like you weren't just a writer, like you had to do social media and you had to blog and take your own photos. And I thankfully was always really into photography. So I think that really helped me get this job when I didn't have a whole ton of experience. I didn't go to journalism school or anything. So um, I started working at this alt weekly called Metromex and Tony was coming into town for the UCLA restaurant industry conference mm. and he was the keynote speaker. And I was like, Oh dude, we gotta like, we gotta interview him. It was, you know, at the time, um, no reservations was the show he was on and it was, you know, popular and he was, you know, popular kitchen confidential come out, but he wasn't, you know, the CNN parts unknown guy just yet. Um, so thankfully I got him earlier on, I shouldn't say early in his career, but it was early on. This was in like 2000, <laughs> uh, gosh, 2008, I think. Yeah, 2000, around 2008. Um, and I, it was a phoner. It was really a great interview. But I was just, like, so blown away by how he, like, spoke in sound bites. Like, he was just like, oh, my, you know, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I, you know, I sent him questions. Like, we always send questions for people to review as an, you know, an interview. But he was just so, like, everything he said was, like, just this perfect sound bite and this perfect quippy moment. I was just like, god damn, this guy's just as good as everybody thinks he is. 
Um, and he was, and then, you know, you see him at the conference and a lot of these little things he was saying were things that he was saying in the conference. And I was like, Oh, this, this is why this guy's great. It's not that he's like so smart and sharp and which he is smart and sharp and on like off the cuff. It's because he's such a great writer and he was, you know, he's wrote everything himself. He was, that was his, that was his gift, like one of his many gifts. But um, yeah, I think that that's the thing. I think a lot of people like know, you know, know him for being like this travel host, which he was really good at that. But if you really think about the show, so much of that show was actually him in voiceover. Like it wasn't even, you know, some conversation, there was a little bit of conversation, but it really was the, the after the Dave mm-hmm. Daniel loves to call this the Jerry's final thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, his, his analysis afterwards and like the, the, you know, ended up, it is now such a luxury to be able to have those moments of a reflection, you know, like true, oops, true reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. And I think he was a really amazing guy creatively. Sp- speaking of his final thoughts, where do you remember where, you know, in the, you know, where he was, where you were when, when, when he passed and, and how that made you feel? Yeah, I do. Um, I was here um, in my house. I remember that night I couldn't sleep. I mean, I, to be fair, like I kind of sometimes suffer from like mild insomnia I have since I was really young. Um, but I do remember that I was here. I was at my house. I couldn't sleep that night. And so I had woken up a little bit later and I sleep with my phone on airplane mode and outside of my room because I don't want the distraction. And I got up, picked up my phone, took it off airplane mode. And I just had like a phone full of text messages. And I was like, what the, mm, something's not good. And yeah, I just remember seeing it. It just felt like this, such a state of disbelief. Cause it's like this huge, I mean, he's such a hero. Like it's like almost like Kobe died for the food world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It really was like, there were murals all over the city and like, he just, you know, he spoke to so many people. He gave so many places a voice too. like, he very much had that Jonathan gold, like, exploratory reverence towards immigrant communities. And so many people felt seen and heard and that their cultures were seen and heard. So it really Mm -hmm. was this like universal loss on so many levels. I mean, I loved him for all those reasons. I loved him for his, like, he was so like on the top level, like like an EP of a show, everybody that he hired was excellent. The camera crew was excellent. The directors he worked with were excellent. Like the music, you know, it was was a reflection of himself, the art, you know, I mean, come on, he got to work with Ralph Steadman, who's like one of my favorite artists for the covers of his books. Like he was just the coolest. And I think he would have so much to say in this time, but I'm also glad he's not living in this time because Mm. I don't know if he, I don't think I can make it through. Like, I don't know if he would have made it through this time. It's fucking crazy. Really? You, you're worried about making it through this time? Uh, you know, I am genuinely like worried about my mental health and moreover, I'm worried about everybody else's mental health because it's like clear. Everybody's cracking. Like we're social beings and we're not meant to be isolated for as long as we've been isolated. We're, you know, staring at screens all day. We're angry. We're frustrated where everything that's like our sense of normalcy has been taken away. So many people are losing their jobs. There's instability. LA is just total fucking chaos. So it's like, I just, yeah, I question. Hmm. You can see it. I mean, you can see what, I mean, that's like not, I don't, I don't know that four, three years ago, like I don't think the storming of the Capitol would have happened. Like I, and I don't know that like, all, and I think in some cases it's good. Like I'm glad that, you know, the political uprising happened with the BLM movement, but I don't necessarily know that people would have come out in mass as much as they did and been as angry and frustrated as they were if they hadn't been like isolated and alone for as long as they were, you know, it was a perfect yeah. storm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, I, I, I've been reading a lot of 
in my reading, I've been looking at Instagrams. Let's be honest. <laughs> I've been I've been scrolling a lot. So, uh, Jedediah Watkins, you know, wrote something which is you know we we look we live in this world where we we see the miracles all in front of us uh, of this planet and of our existence, and we typically only say, "Why God have you forsaken me? Why is this happening to me?" When it's a negative thing, and yet we do not say. Why is this happening to me when it's uh, something beautiful, right? When something good is happening. And I think that overall the self-talk or the internal dialogue of all hu human existence has become um, much more negative, more now than ever. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it, top down, obviously, and also bottom up. You know, it's, it's a whole, it's a vibe. Uh, and mental health is obviously one of the, the most important things we, we I, it, when you see those faces on the woke stream when I'm watching it, I'm like, they do not look there. Those, first of all, they're drunk. It seems like everyone is absolutely blitzed and mm -hmm. plowed and pie eyed and gorded <laughs> and yep. Yep. wildly uneducated. You know, yes, you know, on the Capitol Hill, you're like, Lord, I could just, I remember that kid, poor, poor, poor Tony and Tina, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, we come on. Um, so, and I can understand, you know, I really can't understand their perspective, but uh, empathize with being frustrated when, you know, you're being replaced by machines that are doing your job far better than you and you didn't evolve. And you're blaming someone else for the in inability for for those people to see the field and pointing the figure, figure, finger at other people other than themselves. And I think that's an issue, right? But the reality is, is we are in a negative moment, but that's that's something that we can choose we're also in a time that i've never felt more connected to you i've never felt more connected to some of my friends who for a long period of time i didn't see or hear from and i'm I, i'm in full isolation i'm kn95 guy p100 guy i'm total weirdo but i actually do feel that this is an opportunity to to learn something and to to take a break and to reflect and think about what is our purpose you know this is a gift and and Everyone I've talked to who I revere keeps the mindset of like, how do we, instead of see this as a negative thing, see this as a positive. How, how many people talk about the success after a sabbatical? You know, that there's a TED talk right there. The most, the most innovative ideas come when, you're, when you take a break from your routine, this circle of life or circle jerk of life, right? So um, I think it's, it's good. I mean, I started this podcast literally just out of the idea of like, ah, oh, I keep producing your podcast and everyone wants me to do their podcast and their podcast and this, that and the other. And I'm like, huh, why don't I just do it? I'm like, we're here. Now we're talking about stuff that's salient to you and I and we're growing together and we're going to build... And, and ultimately, as we know, we're going to keep making the bokas. The frame game is going to keep rising and the money will come in and the house in Joshua Tree is coming. So um, <laughs> I believe it's going it. to be really great. I'm excited for you. It's no for us. Come on. It's happening. Oh, I'm for, gladly we'll come visit. That's for yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't get and it so, twisted. So, so, you know, obviously, Christy, you've done so much in your life, like, you traveled the world. Most people would say, wow, if I could, if I could have one job and I've heard people say it to you in front of your face, I've heard people Instagram and I want to do this. I wish I was this. I wish I was that. I wish I could, you know, you have so much success 
And you have so many accomplishments, genuinely you do. I mean, most people would like to have one of those things that you have, the ability to go stay in these hotels that we get to stay in that are just ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous, and you get paid to write in them and take photos, and it's not easy. As obviously, everyone wants that job, to have the most amazing food in the world, and to, to, to have the shorthand that you do with these chefs, because you've obviously gone to culinary school and all that stuff. But how do you take that success and this past success success is and continue to strive forward and look forward to the present moment. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really challenging thing right now. Right. Because specific, like it seems like, and it was, it was, I mean, it, I'm so lucky. Like I, every time we would go somewhere or I would be somewhere, I just, I'm like, I did something really great. I saved a lot of orphans in a past life because I do not deserve this. You know what I mean? Like I work really hard. I do all the things I put in the grind. You don't get paid a lot. It's not something that's like, you're never going to get rich doing, but you know, all those things considered mom always said that luck is the crossroads where preparation and opportunity meet. And like, yeah, I prepared, but I also, you know, had a lot of really great opportunities. And a lot of those things were afforded to me because of who I am and what I look like and whatever, you know, privilege, all those things, but still like it happened. That being said, this whole industry has completely crumbled. I mean, I was working in the trifecta, this weird intersection of like tourism and hospitality and restaurants and production. <laughs> so it's like, it's been catastrophic and it's really hard to, you know, whatever, see the forest for the trees or see the light at the end of the tunnel and thinking about pivoting and all this, that, and the other thing. It's like, I gotta be honest. Like there are times where I'm like, did I pick the wrong thing? Like, how could I have seen this coming? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, like the most successful people, I think coming into this, uh, again, had a lot of skills that I developed and now it's kind of figuring out like, how do I reframe those skills? Like what it is, what is it that I can do? How is it that I can number one, reach out to the restaurant community? Like I've been shooting a lot of photos for people for freeze for their like Postmates accounts or whatever, just to like give back to this industry that like literally like kept me fed and has kept me fed during this, like bless Los Angeles restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, and farmers were just like sending, you know, it's sweet. It's like, I'm really, really unemployed right now. <laughs> like to be totally honest, like there are a couple of things that I've coming through and a couple of gigs that I've like scrapped up together. Um, but I think it's thinking about your, like your, your skill set and well, figuring out how to use it in maybe different ways that you were unexpected. The podcast I started, that has been a really fun way to stay connected yeah. with people and hear inspiring stories and aren't just like the restaurants are closing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's, I mean, it's an interesting thing because, I mean, you know, we're always kind of revolving as a freelancer. We're always revolving into this revolving door of unemployment, employment. Mm -hmm. But I, I actually disagree. You know, we're doing a Gold's, we have a Gold's Gym short doc. You know, you're still sending emails daily. You're grinding every day, hustling, finding leads. There is no end to your hustle. It's a seven day uh, a week, three, six, five kind of situation. And I, I do, you know, you're while this industry has shifted it's people are obsessed with food and the lengths that we'll go even just seeing how much people want to eat and drink outside the willing the willingness to eat i mean i've been i've had uh ramen as a giant bus is about to blow me over and pass me just because i want to get some ramen at jinya you know <laughs> on on main street and i'm like this is when when i'm every time i'm freaking out like a horse when they hear a gunshot and i'm just like what is is this this is how bad i want some beautiful <laughs> Ramen. Give me a half-boiled egg. I want it perfectly cracked, and you know, give me some garlic. And that's how bad I want it. And I'm afraid of getting killed by a bus. Who isn't? So, it's it, it's going to come back. Everyone wants to travel. We're begging for it. People are traveling right now who don't 
need to be uh, oh my god i can't they do it they got to do it okay i don't even know those people bye uh as as uh dr sun said fuck them fuck yeah, you fuck i don't them. have time exactly. for you fuck i don't fuck I you i can't i don't give a shit about you you don't care about people you think if you really cared about people you wouldn't do things that endangered others put on a mask shut the fuck up and put on a mask wear it there are people who are dying you're actually killing people you're you're worse than a lot yeah, of things. It's, it's involuntary manslaughter. I would even say it's voluntary manslaughter at this point. I think yeah. it's really sad. And I think, you know, I, I don't mean to, my, my tone <laughs> during this conversation may sound a little more like morose, right? But I think that it's also really important as much as like we talk about the grind and we talk about, you know, staying focused and hustling and like the process and all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, I think it's also really important that we stay realistic about like what's, how we're really feeling. Like, yeah. It's not going to be every day, like sunny sunshine, you know, I'm a pretty happy person in general, but it's, it's okay. I think it's also okay to like acknowledge like, man, people are struggling. I'm struggling. And then yeah. also acknowledging like, yeah, my struggle ultimately is like nothing. Like I'm fucking sad because I'm on unemployment. Guess what? I get unemployment. It's fucking not covering my life, living expenses. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's a gross, you know, assault on our site, like on our living on our society and everything like that. But I'm lucky I get it because, you know, there are people out there who don't have it. There are people who are out on the street. There are people who, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go to wait in line for the grocery store, but yeah, I can fucking go to the grocery store. I can afford some groceries. I can afford milk for my oat milk for my coffee in the morning. Like what a privilege that is, you know? And, And that's just like here in the United States, not to even think about like people in other countries, other places that are dealing with this. Like, I think it's just a double whammy is what I've been thinking about is like, look, I think we could have handled this, like the pandemic, we could have gotten through it, but it's also this added layer of this, like just real assault on our democracy and our country as we know it. Not that it was really that perfect. We all know it's inherently flawed, but it's just like this layer upon layer upon layer of things and just finding ways to like navigate through it. It's, I mean, it's a really, really, really tough time and everything's going to look like a cakewalk after this. (laughs) I'm convinced. So, yeah, and it has been challenging, you know, and how obviously you started your podcast. How have you, um, through this pandemic, how have you pivoted? How have you switched your course of action and, and, and gotten in, into action after your industry was totally decimated? What did you do to overcome? I think what I did to overcome or how I'm getting through this is really, again, taking my creative skills and thinking of industries that I can apply it to or ways that it can be used that I mightn't have thought of before. It's like really thinking creatively about those skills. Um, you know, the podcast is one of them. It's like, I've always wanted to do that. It's like, all right, God, you know, I don't have the money at first. You didn't have the finances to edit the podcast. I don't know how to edit a podcast, but I know how to use premiere. So I decided to teach myself how to use audition and it's not great. I'm not saying that I'm like the world's best audio mixer, but I think ultimately, thankfully people are pretty understanding right now in this space and time of things not being perfect and we're not in a studio. Right. So like you will get that. They just want to hear stories. They want to hear real human stories now. So mm-hmm. um, that's been a really wonderful, bright and shining light. I think for, for me, as well as the people that I'm talking to, like the guests are just so excited to have something to talk about. That's not, especially cause they're in the hospitality industry, excited to talk about something that is not COVID <laughs> mm. um, and not closures and you know, whatever. So 
that's been really good. Um, Do you have any advice to say to, to other small business owners who, you know, who are fighting this impossible fight to endure and stay afloat right now? Do you have any like words of wisdom, any words of affirmation like for them right now? Yeah, I think, you know, as a small business owner, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, right? Like you take this road less traveled knowing that it's going to be just an uphill battle, but there's nothing better than running your own business. You know, I mean, there really isn't. It's so empowering. You get to do things the way that you want to do things. And yeah, there are going to be roadblocks. Like that's going to happen, but you started it. Like that's the hardest part for anybody that wants to start a business is just taking that first step. So you've already done the hard part. Like this is, you're just like through the slog right now, but you've already done the hardest part of it. And we're going to get to the other side of this and just continue to use those creative ideas that helped you in the first place, get into it in the first place. You're a fucking risk taker. You're one of the few who did it. So you can get through this. One last question here before we go into our second chance uh, section. How does the mind's perception of body image, you know, and especially as a woman, I'd love to hear your perspective relate to mental health. So, you know, so how we perceive ourselves, how does that relate to mental health in, in your life? Well, it's everything. How you see yourself is everything. Because if you don't see yourself as amazing, like nobody else is going to see you that way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as a woman, it's really hard. Like I struggled with a lot of this stuff growing up, just like every woman has. I don't know a single woman I've ever talked to who hasn't dealt with this. And also most of us have dealt with some form of assault or some form of abuse because of who we are. Like, it's really tough being a woman. And, um, I, you know, I was a young kid. I've taken diet pills. I've gone on crazy crash diets because swim coaches were like, you know, you really need to lose 10 pounds. And that's just not something you tell a 15 year old girl who's already working out five and a half hours a day. Like it's just not an option. In my opinion, it's like, you give me the tools to lose the 10 pounds, but don't tell any woman to ever lose 10 pounds less a 15 year old girl. So really that stuff stuck in my head. Mm. And I think it's always for whatever reason, for a lot of women, that 10 is like a magic number. It's like, if I could just be this much skinnier, if I could just mm. have this much bigger boobs or this bigger of a butt. I mean, like the whole world is presenting us with just an unending amount of you're not good enough. Um, and so it's hard. It's, it's almost impossible. I shouldn't say it's hard. It is damn near impossible to be impervious to it. And it's a daily practice. It's it in itself is a like moving meditation process. Like if you have made it this far and you're a woman and you haven't like altered yourself in some way, you know, I, you know, I'm 36 years old, like every girl's doing it. Everybody's Botox, lip injection, you know, whatever, whatever, you're never good enough. It's, and it's never, it's never good enough. You keep going on it. So um, I think it really does impact your mental health and it, in a certain way, I wish, I do wish that we could continue. I hope that we continue actually to go down this path of like strength being sexy and then like a healthy version of that, like not being obsessive compulsive about it. And like being just being a balanced human being, like working out, eating well, enjoying your glass of wine, have a dessert. If you want a dessert, not having to work it off, just like live a normal life. I haven't looked at a scale in years. I just don't do it. I work out. I know when I'm feeling lethargic. I look at them. I just don't even, I don't step on them. I'm like, oh, there there it is. I'm going to break that thing. It's it's a fascinating thing. And thank you for sharing. I mean, it's obviously something we've talked about and body image. You know, I used to, even me, I mean, it's this, with women, obviously you guys have all these preconceived notions. You know, it first started just with Brazilians and now, you know, you have to shave and get rid of your hair. And now it's Brazilian butt lifts and it's, you know, whatever, it's Brazilian blowouts and there are all these things. And it's like this Bless idea Brazilian, of what, damn the those Brazilians, women. I mean, they came out, 
God's gift to, you know, it's like, we're all trying to be Brazilian. Let's be honest. And, you know, uh, it's a life, the music, talk about it, the life, the food, you know, um, Jao Gilberto is one of my favorite, you know, obviously Bossa Nova has nothing to do with this, but you know, I even, even me, I struggled, you know, I would try to fast and eat certain things when I was in middle school, strange image issues, trying to get a six pack or whatever that is. And luckily genetically, you know, we happen to have that gene where we can get those things, you know, it's, it's a great thing. But uh, it is interesting to see how it kind of correlates to mental health and the perception that all of these influencers, Instagrammers, they've all done some sort of augmentation, even if it's in post-production. And it sets up, sets up society for a false sense of reality. And, and I think that segues nicely to our next section, which is our second chance section, which is, you know, really brought to you by like Stop the Sigma. We're going to take a moment to be grateful for moments like these where we can have a sip of coffee or tea. The Broken Dove Podcast is sponsored by Kilo. Kilo app takes a qualitative approach to tracking your mental health by analyzing the quality of your sleep, workout, diet, even libido. Kilo keeps me dialed in. Kilo motivates me to work hard in and out of the gym. It also helps me maintain relationships and keep perspective because no matter how bad you got it, someone has it worse. And trust this, we need you out there. Maybe do it for your son, your student. Do it for someone you've yet to meet, your inner savage. Dig in and do work. Kilo, building better humans. Back in, back in. You know that I've struggled a lot with mental illness and having bipolar disorder and the highs and lows of that and taking medication and figuring out how to really curtail any of my uh, genetic disposition to ruining my life, right? And uh, how do we, uh, you know, you know, obviously you're my family member, but we as people stop the stigma by opening up the conversation about body image and mental health, et cetera. Do you, you know, what, what, what have you done in your life uh, recently to overcome your own issues internally? Gosh, well, um, I have to say that it has uh, been really eye-opening, you know, to have such, I, I grew up, one of my best friends, her mother was schizophrenic. So it's not like I was, you know, not familiar with this and, you know, our family, it runs in our family, you know, uh, alcoholism and depression run in our family. I've dealt with it. You are, you know, doubt now dealing with it, but I will say that, um, I'm so glad you're talking about this because it's really something that is not, I know really heavily impacted you, but it's also really impacted our family. And, um, I just find myself constantly trying to read more and try and navigate how to be a better advocate. I think, you know, just kind of understanding how, like when someone's going through a moment of crisis, like it's not the time to impose your thoughts and beliefs on them. It's just kind of being like a soft place to land. Um, So I think, you know, places like Naming are really great. Um, I know our mom and dad have taken those courses. I would, I wish they were open now because I would love to do them as well. Um, and I also think, you know, I, I would really love to be in therapy right now. I really would. Um, I need to find a way to pay for it. It's expensive. It's really expensive, but, um, I don't know. I'm doing what I can. I don't know if that even indirectly or directly answered your question. That was a bit of a ramble, but. Well, when I, well, I know there were, you know, when we were growing up, there was a time when, you know, you were going through some things and I remember the cops being called one time and can you kind of talk, talk a little bit about that and how that, you know, obviously you've kind of dialed everything in and, and 
you've just cleaned everything up. I, I felt like I was never going to have an issue. Obviously, I was a, a wild boy and I always thought, okay, I'm crazy. I, you know, people always say, oh, you're crazy. Are you on drugs? And I'm like, no, dude, this is, I'm just born with this. I'm, I'm touched with fire. I'm, I'm nuts. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it happens and you're like, this entire time, was it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Was this something that was going to happen? And seeing how many people genuinely, like the stigma, it is so real. I mean, I, I'm just like, I don't even care anymore. I don't care if people, clients don't want me now because this, I actually just don't care because it's who I am. And, and there's so many people I know this will, they can relate to this because there are so many creatives. There's so many people who are top CEOs and so many people have this talent, but they have this this blessing and this curse, or who knows, maybe they're both blessings, right? And we obviously know that, you know, the last week, uh, Kanye West, who's unmedicated with the similar, same thing, bipolar one disorder, he has rolling mania. And he can't break this pattern because he refuses to take medication. And I know that you were, Krista, the only reason I started taking medication is because uh, you're like, I won't be your friend unless you do it. And it's like, the greatest thing you ever did was giving me this ultimatum that was you know, cause you, you know, you were, you studied psychology in, in school and I was like, oh shoot, I can't have you as my friend unless I take this thing. And I was always anti-medicine, truly. I'm like, I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it with therapy. I'm going to do it with eating clean and meditation and the beach. And, and then you, you know, it, now I'm just myself. There's this conceived, preconceived notion that when you start taking Depakote or Valprex or lithium or any of these things, that it's going to change you and not make you funny and sharp and dialed and crisp. It's not the. It's just not true. We're not ripped. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm, what are you talking about? We're not. We're not willing to do. We're not motivated. And it's not. The pill doesn't do anything other than make make you be here. And 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 the people who make this stigma around the pill and the stigma around mental illness are just as bad. The truth is to live in the gray area. To live in the gray area of life, in my opinion, is where we all need to be. Uh, and not everyone does need medication, but I think everyone should be in therapy because oh, yeah. it is obvious. There's so much trauma with 400 years of slavery that everybody, you know, on you know, needs free therapy, deserves it. I mean, come on. In addition to free college education, we this, obviously our country needs education and obviously everyone needs therapy. And a lot of people need medicine because something has triggered a psychosis unlike we've ever seen. It it's is mass. It's widespread and it's catastrophic. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's everything from every single one of my friends, you know, breakdowns are like just a regular occurrence now. And you just, all you need to do is take a, you know, a drive down any street in Los Angeles. Normally I'd say skid row, but it's like literally every corner of every intersection. Yeah. It's just an encampment of homelessness. And so much of that, I think, is mental illness and just not having a soft place to land. You know, I think that that really is so important. Like you said, to having a support group, having family and friends that care about you, really taking that interest and um, treating it like it's a sport or it's a job. Like you have to, you have to go to therapy all the time, every day, and you have to be regular with your medicine. And um, it's hard. I know, you know, from friends and you, it's like to find the right combination. It's not something like all of a sudden you take the pill and you're better. Like, that's just not how it works. It takes weeks to, for your body to adjust to it. And that maybe that's Years. not the right combination. I have a friend right now who's detoxing from Valium. She was put on an unbelievable amount of Valium and she's going through the process right now of getting off of that and then getting on a different antidepressant medication. So it's just like, and it's mm -hmm. a real bitch pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry, as we know, is really shady and we've had a huge distrust for it. But conversely, 
it's also a miracle and they're creating vaccines and drugs so that people can live with something like, you know, bipolar disorder or like you would never, the thing that I think is so funny is like, you would never give somebody who suffered from diabetes a hard time about taking insulin. Like they just take the insulin if they can afford it, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? They yeah. just take the thing, whatever it is, you take the medicine, you've got a problem, whatever. So like, why is mental health viewed as this? Oh no. It's like this other thing that's just so taboo. And I think finally we're starting to talk more about it, which is a great thing. Yeah. I think, I think the conversation is great to start. And I think it's just, it's the beginning of, of a conversation, just like many of the conversations that are getting brought up that are also quite salient and, and important. And forgiveness is another thing. I, I believe that, you know, for me, I've found faith and I've found spirituality and rituals help, right? And all of these tools really help in finding that that tool. I think that's why I've partnered with the Kilo app is because they're they're giving you these non-medicine-based tools that any uh, man, it's from, you know, it's a men's mental health app should utilize in order to overcome our internal issues, right? And and those are just clear and concise and, and clean, whether it's eating chocolate, working out, lifting, keeping your libido high, positive affirmations. These things are really important. Going to the beach, like you said, getting outdoors, looking at a leaf, smiling, thinking, looking at yourself and saying, I am beautiful. You know, I know that's something that's in your, uh, on the mirror in your, in your bathroom is I am beautiful. It's like, give us these affirmations. We are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are perfect. God, in my opinion, you know, put us on this earth and we are here and it is a beautiful thing that we get to experience pain and grow and endure. And, uh, and that's what, I mean, it's a cool thing. I'm excited for us to get through this pain and come out of it stronger in, you know, become like steel and forge through, through the fire and become steel and rise like a Phoenix out of the ashes. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people, a lot of people don't, you know, want to have that story, you know, the, they don't want to give someone that opportunity uh, to, to give them a second chance. That's why I think it's really important. Uh, if, if you felt that and someone has had a moment, I would say my call to action is mm-hmm. forgive. That's not really who they are. If they've said something, did something, it's not true to their soul. And we're in these sleeves. I don't know what these are, these bodies. That's not, it's not real. It's your soul. And mental illness is your body failing your soul. So I think if we think of it like that, your soul is really what comes out when you're your best self. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're going to switch into, because we have a little bit of time left, which is a totally different energy. It is rapid. It is quick. It is, it is fire. It is our rapid fire section. We have 60 seconds with this. Might even let, be less. Okay, Krista? Are okay. you ready to rock? This is I'm, oh, oh, it's so weird to have this turned on me. Okay, yep. I'm oh. ready. All right, so we're going to go. We have 10 questions. First thing comes to where your, your mind. Everybody knows the rules, you know? All right, okay. And favorite country you visited to party? Oh, Ibiza, hands down. Oh, go out. Okay, F- favorite country to eat? I'm sorry, that's Spain. I feel like a total blonde right now. I know Ibiza's in Spain, guys. It's not a country. <laughs> uh, favorite thing to eat? Yeah. Oh, my God. Ah! Uh, red sauce Italian. Okay. Uh, favorite co- uh, country you visited to love? Fiji. Yeah, Fiji. So magical. It's so beautiful. It's hard not to be in love there. Oh, Fiji. Okay. Okay. So we got Fiji. Uh, pizza or pasta? Both. Sorry, I can't answer that question. You don't you have gotta, red sauce. You got <laughs> yeah, to okay. do it. Pizza or pasta? There's a gun to your pasta, hand. You got to choose pasta, what? Pasta. pasta oh, sure. wow. Burger or fries? Burger. 
Okay, and last meal in LA, where would it be? Oh God, I, I should have looked at these beforehand. What would it be? This is hard. Um, go 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 go. Family. Okay, uh, chef's table or Queen's Gambit? Queen's Gambit. Uh, Destiny's Child or Beyonce? Come on, Beyonce. That was Sorry, easy. That's almost that's a slam dunk. Yeah, Which yeah. spirit animal? Hmm, an orca. Orca. And any messages for your followers out there in, in an effort to curtail the spread of uh, coronavirus? Oh God, wear a mask. Come on, it should not be this hard at this point. Like, I, I, I actually don't even want to say that. Just get get the vaccine when it comes out, so we can all just kind of go about living some sort of semblance of a normal life and get get back to getting back to getting on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> keep on, keep it on. I don't know. Just keep on keeping on, guys. Keep your head up. Well, yeah, and and do you have anything, Krista? Thank you so much for coming on. That's all. That's all we have for today. We're gonna keep on keeping on, truck on forward. We do. We just one foot in front of the other. You know the deal. We know the drill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have anything coming up you'd like to to plug? Any any projects? Any your your IGs? Obviously, we'll put them in the metadata. Anything else that you want to talk about? Fork in the Road Media is a way way better pod in my opinion. No, uh, I mean, come <laughs> on. I've got a couple seasons under my belt at this point. You'll be there soon. This is great. Um, I you know I've really appreciated being here. Uh. In terms of where you can follow me, it's just at Krista Simmons at Fork in the Road Media. Um, I've got a podcast you can follow on Apple, uh, Apple, Spotify, and all the platforms. Uh, it's Fork in the Road with Krista Simmons. It's me. Um, anything else I have going on? I don't know. I don't know. Just trying to stay alive. Not nothing else major. No major motions or anything like that. No, and you know what? Just like Robert Frost, Krista Simmons is the fork. And she grabs that fork and she eats pasta. She <laughs> that pasta, is the fork, red sauce. Fork, red sauce. Yeah, probably Rosa Blue. She'll probably have something there. And then obviously, you know what I'm plugging here: suffer for good. Yes. Come on, the inspiring story of Seb Zaudi and his journey back into the ring, suffer for good, is about the 1980, 1984 boycotts by the U.S. and the Soviet Union. So many themes recurring today. It's inspiring. Seb's a wonderful human. He's a great coach. It's in L.A underdog story it's like rocky four but real okay and, uh, <laughs> it's a really so great movie st- guys yeah yeah please check t- take it a- take a look you can get it on blu-ray it's on all your places you can get them at amazon google you know voodoo you've heard of them you know the thing everybody knows the drill swipe up rate it review it smash that like button smash the comment button smash the follow krista button she's way more likable than me take a look she smash does great some content scores, please smash, smash, some, yeah. smash some beers for us while we're sober too but while you're at it come on, come on smash some marshmallows smash some yeah smash whatever it is smash some smash burger smash mouth Smash, rig-a-goo. yes. <laughs> my dating myself, I am. Oh God. Yeah. Um, uh, but Krista, thanks so much for coming on. I love you. You're the best person you. in the whole world. Thank you so much for being supportive. And I can't wait to go around the globe and eat so much food and be a total slovenly human like I am. <laughs> Do you have something that's congratulations on your uh, podcast? Thank you. Yeah. Well, you you, you inspired me to do it, and we got to just keep creating together. I, well, technically, so you fun. inspired me to do mine. And so now it's coming around full circle. Hey, who's inspiring who? Infinity. Ah! <laughs> We're all in a simulation. Who the hell knows? Right. Yeah, what is real? Yeah. Right. Ah. <laughs> we got to go before right. we turn into Joe Rogan. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thanks, Krista. Bye. Broken Up Podcast is executive produced by Ellen Utrecht, edited by Megan Solano. 
Audio by Dory Bavarsky and artwork by Neve Bavarsky. Please like, subscribe, follow, stock, DM, love them all. They're amazing. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your rave reviews, your shares, your comments, your spam to your friends, your email blasts, your clubhouse chats about this episode. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the love, the merits, the accolades, the attention, and most importantly, the thumbs up. Talk soon. We're out.